know if you've noticed today, um, the platform is a little different, um, a little bit wider, and it is kind of weird um, at times when you, um, for three years, have had mountains sitting up here on the, on the platform. I don't know about you, but I want to describe it, and I want to say to myself that I am a mountain mover. I don't know about you, but I want you to, like, like I know the three people that think they're mountain movers too, but everybody else can say Waller in it. But I am a mountain mover. Like, there's no, there's a pride in it. Yeah, you're not being prideful. There's a pride that you can say that I am. I'm a weapon. Because greater is he that lives within me than he that's in the world. I'm a mountain mover. Greater things am I going to do than, than he did. That the same power that rose Jesus from the grave dwells in my soul. Yeah, right. I, I feel like at times we, we take it and we hear it and we, and we hear it and we hear it. But it was just a good story I heard. And Christ is looking for a remnant of people to say, are you going to apply it? Are you going to live it? Are you going to walk it out? Because it's getting crazy out there. Well, it won't affect me. It affects you today. It affects your kids at school. It affects you at work. It affects you in your personal family. It's real. The gospel is real. It's wide open. It's the truth and the whole truth. So help me. The mountains. Wow. I don't know about you, but like when I walked in this morning, um, muscle memory gets me to try to act like I was going to move a curtain over there and walk into a, a mountain back here and, and, and be into a place. Around a mountain, through a mountain. And what's crazy is uh, these mountains, man, they've, they've come down. So I don't know, just just being, just talking, um, it might seem a little louder in here today. We offer earplugs for those that are struggling. No, we don't. Um, and I get it might be, honestly, and you might hear a ringing off and on. We tore down mountains that were up for three years. And we've had to readjust. So I want to say a big thank you to the ones up in the sound booth that, that are helping so hard. Um, and, and, and not only the sound booth, where's Felicia? Felicia, girl. Yeah. I love you. She's been walking around pacing and delivering a message to them. We got a pretty awesome team, honestly. Like they're walking around making sure stuff sounds and delivering a message to them. And they're trying to figure it out. And it's got kicks and pains and she's going to have a baby and we're working on it. But, so it, it sounds different. The dynamics sound different. To me, it sounds fuller. It almost sounds like there's effects, but it's just this rumor in. And so we're going to readjust and keep moving. Uh, hopefully next week we'll have the new soundboard up. It's all digital. We're going to be switching gears. So be bearing with us and celebrating with us as we turn a page and remnant and, and start going a different direction with the sound. Because I, I, I still believe and I, I hold on to it that I believe that you're, the next time you're on Spotify, hopefully we'll get some of that music that remnant worship creating out online for you. We're going to go there. I promise you that. It's going to happen on anywhere you listen to music. 
because it, it, it's, it's too good to sit in the house anymore. Other churches need it. Other people need it. And so be with us and bear with us and all that. But I wanted to read to you real quick. We're going to, uh, I wanted to do something different. We've been talking, and I'll, let me just hit the brakes uh, on my wife. She preached a powerful yeah. word last week about truth. And the truth shall set you free. Anybody struggling with truth this week? Been faced with stuff with truth? Dude, I'm telling you right now, it hits you right between your eyes sometimes. But I'm telling you, you need to go back and listen to this about the belt of truth. And we're going to dig into that about the different armor of God. Um, we took the mountains down, oh man, Wednesday. And when we took them down, I, I was just pondering. And I, I, I was like, you know... I can't go any further than to tell this story for the girls are worshiping. I can hear the whole kids saying, boy, they in it. Um, you'll see it online later if you go to Remnant Kids. But it's all, I love it. It's so beautiful. Because it's funny, like they're doing other stuff while we worship. And then when we're getting into the word, they're worshiping. So it's a never-ending worship cycle in our house that just keeps on rolling. And these kids are looking at me. They'll, they'll praise. They'll outpraise you. Make you feel silly. They prom they, I promise, they ain't afraid to come up and jump around and lift their hands and move around for Jesus. We stuck at the frozen chosen. Not everybody, but you know, some people are just like, I wonder what they think. Who cares what they think? He died on the cross but naked. He died for me. I'm going to lift it up. Sorry. It's just how I feel. That's my God. He's so good. I'm going to not give him when I can. And that's what I love back there. Every one of those kids back there are going crazy for Jesus right now. Right now. Amen. So I couldn't go any further. And I started thinking about, man, for three years we've had these mountains up. For three years these mountains have been, been um, a display in a lot of areas. When you leave today, after you get your ice cream or some uh, strawberry shortcake, because the weather's going to be beautiful outside when you go and eat that. Um, it's like Cover Bridge at Remnant Church. Yes, sir. And... But when you take a left, just look left on a black wall, there is all kinds of writings on a chalk wall. And everything we've ever used those mountains for is on that wall. About being a mountain mover, about, about blessed, about the Beatitudes from the mountain. We, we did one, we declared war, we used it as an outpost of saying we declared war on the enemy. Wow. That one got a lot of attention. And even people in the church were afraid to say it. I don't know where to, who cares? I declare war against the enemy. Hear me, enemy, loud and clear. I declare war against you. Because greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world. I'm not afraid. Now, does that come with opposition? Absolutely, it comes with opposition. When you wave a banner, it comes with, it says, hello, we're over here. If you've been looking for me, you can find me right here. I ain't going nowhere. And so here we are. And, and, and there's been other, we talked about grit. We talked about all kinds of stuff. Um, with the mountains, and we've used the mountains over and over. And I want to read you the scripture real quick. I want to get into this. This is something that, man, I, it just hit me. And so we're going to like cut into the, what we're doing, and I'm going to talk to you real quick about something. It says in Matthew 17, 20, he says, he replied, because you have little faith, somebody say little faith. There we go. We got the church awake. Somebody say little faith. Okay, here we go, little guys. Little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. Somebody say, little 
That's almost a weird deal. You have little faith, but if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, little faith. You can say to the mountain, move from here, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Man, he said the same thing to, to, to Peter when he was walking on the water. You have little faith. Man, I wish I had his little faith to walk on the water because he's the only other person that walked on the water. When you read above this, this, what was happening, there was somebody that was possessed and they couldn't cast it out. And he was saying, because you have little faith, I truly tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move. Whatever that mountain is in your life. And that's how we started Mountain Movers. That's how that whole thing that was a three-year before that process. Let me show you a couple pictures if, you, if we have them. Um, just tearing some of this down so you can see what was behind the veil. All kinds of wood pieces. Pieces that we found, remnants of wood that was just left around from Menard's distribution. It was actually a mountain of wood that they gave us and we used to tear or to build this entire thing. And then we bought canvas and we painted canvas. And now we put a big cloth up and we dropped it and it took almost three months to, to do this. I look like a bird in a cage. That is amazing. Uh, that's a big bird too. Boy, look at his neck. Uh, but it, it took like three months to, hold on on that picture. Now look, Sam, you act like you're working, but your other hand's saying you're hungry. Now hold on, Sam, hold on. Yummy, yummy. You can't hear what I mean. He did work and he ate. Um, he kept the, the, you know, the, the donut was on the other side of the hammer. I had to take a bite and I saw your moves. And there were platforms and all kinds of stuff. We even pulled my son up to, you know, how else you going to teach somebody how to do something and put them to work? And those were the big platforms that were super, super heavy that stood behind there that nobody saw. And the biggest thing that nobody, hello, Debbie Day, how are you over there in the corner? That nobody saw that we had a baby grand piano in the church. Wow, so much blessings. Now it's been here, it's been covered up. And it does sound amazing, Debbie. You sound so good. It sounds amazing. Uh, some of you, for the first time seeing this stage, you've only been here with mountains. And it's crazy because it only took, what, two and a half, three, three hours to destroy it. But it took like almost three months to, to resurrect them, to build them up to what they were. And platforms that had, uh, had people playing electric on one side and bass player on another. We had people down in the bottom and did all kinds of stuff. And I started thinking about this whole mountain mover experience and about this moment here with what we have here. I left the, the worship team on the platform because, uh, one, I'm just thankful for them. They, they lead us into the presence of God. And, um, and I know they're, they're very humble, but I'm thankful because it just seems so effortless for them. Uh, they make me look good, and I'm a mess. And, like, I mess up bad a lot. Like, maybe because I do too much, but... And that's probably it, because my mind goes everywhere, and, I'm, and they're, they're so good, not just because, like, individually, but, but because their heart is to reach heaven and bring it down so you can experience it. Come on. That's, that, that's what I love is their selflessness of just wanting God more and more, 
So I wanted to come up here for this one reason is because um, the, the biggest thing is about the mountains, and I'm getting somewhere with this, is that when, when we're dealing with the mountains, um, we say in the scripture that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell the mountain to move. I started thinking about this. I was sitting here watching this unfold and taking stuff down, and I'm thinking, but what about the times that you don't let the mountain move? What about, what about the moments that the mountains are here? Not just here, but think about this in your personal life. That the mountains are there, and, and, and I told Jen, I said, honestly, they, they probably should have came down probably months ago, if we're being real about it. I know there was a few things I wanted to try to do, but I can do it a different way, but I wanted to use the mountains one last time. It's just like this one last hurrah with the mountains. And I know in, in myself, I was trying to figure out, like, okay, how can I pull that off? Because I'm still going to do what I need to do. It's just not going to be with those mountains. But I kept holding on to it because I was hoping that something would change with it. But God was already shifting the direction either way. You guys hear what I'm saying? Okay. But what has happened? Look what happens in our lives. We have a worship team that don't know what to do with themselves with so much room on the platform. Like we said a long time ago, this platform was the exact same size as our church in general. From front to back, this platform was our church over in the storefront. That's how big our church was. In general, you talk about tight and, and close. Even a bathroom in the same room. Ooh. No comment. But, but you know who did it. <laughs> but it was like this weird, it, close encounters, but it was good. That makes sense. Um, but we get here, and, and we're building these mountains, and all this stuff's going down with these mountains. But here's what's happened. Because of the mountains, because of how long, and knowing that they should come down at a certain time, we start to redevelop ourselves. And it becomes, I'll say it like this, it becomes dysfunctional. That we adapt to the mountains we're supposed to tear down. Hear me, church, real quick. We adapt to the mountains we're supposed to cast down and, and be moved out of our personal lives. And we have learned to adapt and live with these certain mountains in our lives. We're afraid because you're thinking about this one last hurrah that maybe might, something might work out, but you know for a fact you need to cast it out and be done with it. But you could go too long, and like I said, maybe two months too long that we kept these mountains up. And look what I did. I'm, can I put myself on blast? I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm always hanging out. i got enough people daggering me anyway. It doesn't matter. But look what I did. But look what you do as well. When you continue to leave a mountain in place that should not be there, it affects everyone around you adapt to a dysfunction and stay so tight that you can't breathe when there's certain seasons when stuff should be tight, but there's seasons where we got to stretch. The baby's got to get in its own bed now. But we adapt too much to the to the mountain. I don't know what the mountain is in your own personal life. I don't know what it is. I don't, there's so many things we can name and throw out in the air. But you know what it is. 
And how long have you adapted to something that should be casted out of your life? That not only did it affect you, but look at how it has affected every single person around me. That because of my dysfunction of holding on to those mountains, it affected everyone around me. Now I pulled other people into my mountain problem. Think about this in your life. Something that should be cast out. How many people have you drug into your situation that needs to be gone? That we have let just continue to, to develop and we make room for it because we're so tight in this area. But everybody has been around your dysfunction so long. Nobody knows how to live any other way. Yesterday I walked in and I walked right in open the door and moved the curtain that wasn't there. Because <laughs> it's a familiar spirit. Uh-oh. But it gets other people. Sorry, look. Just rest. It gets other people involved in your dysfunction. And we, we draw people into a mountain experience that is supposed to be gone. But if we can get them on our page with that experience, maybe something good will come out of it. If God said move it, it needs to be gone. My question to you, what is it that you personally and yourself have hidden that have been very deep inside of you, something that has to be cast out? It's not only affected you, it's affected your children. It's affected your friendship. It's affected your family, all your other family members. It's affected everybody because whatever that dysfunction is, people wrap around it and hold on to it, and it becomes that. Instead of saying, God, whatever that is, I need that to be gone out of my personal life. But, it, but not, but here's what happens. When we adapt to it and everybody jumps in on it, the problem is, is we like to feed it. And it feels good. It feels good. And if everybody's on feeding everybody, then the problem is there ain't nobody standing up saying, this is wrong. You shouldn't be doing this. We've talked about it in the youth. We've talked about it about truth. That what the problem is, I think, Missy, you said it, that the truth, it, would you say it hurts? Truth hurts. So the problem is, is when the truth hurts, then when people get offended, instead of feeling like, hey, I'm getting accountable, you're judging me now. Now I feel judged, and you're not being it, because I'm not the judge, but I want to speak the truth. Yeah. And, and I'm going to help hold you accountable, because it does hurt sometimes. If he is the great physician between bone and marrow, don't you think that's going to hurt a little bit when you get through? Yeah. But wait a couple more months after that, you're going to start growing correct. But if not, you grow dysfunctional, and everybody around you leans into your dysfunction. What has to move? And so I thought about like the mountains that had to be moved physically in here to go to the next place, but I was trying to hold on so tight of certain things because I know I wanted to do one more thing with them and I had a cool idea. But God was already, I don't care about your cool idea. I'm going here. Well, you were trying to even confront 
form the new sound system yes. around the mountains. Yep. And I remember we got up Wednesday and you're like, we need to go work on the sound. And I just looked at you and I said, Brandon, I love you, but it does not make any sense to set up new sound system until those mountains are torn down. So because we're going to be setting up and tearing down and setting up again. And sometimes when we do that, we put more work on ourselves instead of doing what we need to in the first place. And then we're wondering in the end why we're so exhausted and it's because of our own fault. Because we put extra effort into things that were meant to be taken care of in the first place. You know, and sometimes we have to be willing to listen to the people around us that say, hey, that don't make no sense. Let's let's do this the right way. You know what I'm saying? Because we can think something is good. The new sound system is good. It's good. But if we would have done it one way, guess what? When those mountains come down, we're going to have to redo the whole thing. And, and I'm just going to tell you, please bear with us when we do put that new sound system up. For the fact of it is, it may not work right for a little while. And the sound may not sound like you think it should. But guess what? We're still working on it. And we're doing it. It's a new season. It's a new thing. And I think that's what we have to be okay with is that when things move and go, they don't always look the way that you think they should or work out the way they think you should. But if you're following what God's asked you to do, you just keep working. You keep going. Just like we've said on Sundays, just keep coming back. Well, it's the same thing. When you do what God's asked you to do, you just continue to work in it until he does and finishes the work to be what it needs to be. Yeah, and so using this whole thing as an example, I love big illustrated sermons. And man, this one's a big one. <laughs> it's me. You know what I mean? And, and I think what I'm trying to relate to you is what has to move. If he says, if you have faith as small as a mother, you can tell it to move. What have you held on to that should move that you're afraid to let go? I'm, I'm, I'm so serious about it because what, what do you keep holding on to? What is it that you hold on to that, that you're so afraid of that you're afraid that you don't know how to handle it or how to live? And maybe it's something that's been a part of your life since you've been a kid and didn't even realize it. And it has literally shaped and warped itself around you. And that's how you are now. But let me tell you something. He wants to take all that out and replace it with him. He wants to put him involved. Whatever holds on, holds on to you. You've got to let that stuff go. Because how can he make me a vessel Make me an offer. How can he fill a vessel that's already full of itself? And so that's the stuff I want to tell you. Is like there's stuff that we hold on to because nobody knows how that shaped me. I don't know who I am without this situation, without this thing. Well, it's that familiarity again. And something that I felt God speak to me is that our familiarity leads us to comfortability. When we're familiar with something, we become comfortable with it. Even though it may not be something that's that great, you just become comfortable with it because we realize that when we have to take things down, it takes work and it takes effort. And so sometimes it's a lot easier just to be comfortable with it and deal with it. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of like that mountain of laundry that just continues to sit there and nobody ever folds in. They just pull from the pile. You know what I'm saying? And everybody in the house can walk by it and look at it and know that it needs folded until, you know, nothing against it. Mom normally is the one that stops and folds it. You know what I'm saying? Or, hey, can you do that? The fact of it is, is that's that comfortability because, oh, it's there. We live here. This is our house. Nobody else is coming. We don't have company. Why does it need to be folded? You know, those kind of things. We make those excuses for the little things in our lives. We, we look at it and be like, well, this is, this is my house. Nobody sees really inside. 
my house. I don't have company coming over today. And that's a lie because the greatest company that you have is Jesus Christ who lives inside you each and every single day. And if you don't want to keep a clean house, that's on you. You know, and the thing about it is, is when you become so comfortable in your house, then you expect Jesus to be comfortable with your sin. Oh. Because I'm comfortable with it. It doesn't bother me anymore. Then why should it bother you, God? I'm okay with it. It's comfortable. It's familiar. It's normal. And, and what's crazy is that that comfortability causes conformity. Yeah. Just like he was talking about. Because when we become comfortable with what we know, then we conform to it and become it. And what's funny is like he said, I'm the, I'm the example. Well, instead of the mountains being the mountain, you become the mountain. You become the problem. Because really the mountain isn't the problem that God's trying to tear down. It's you. And the pride of saying, well, I thought we were going to do it this way. I wanted to do it that way, God. This is what it was going to be. You know, and it's really difficult because once things happen and you get comfortable in them, then you get in a place of lackadaisicalness and laziness. And you become idle. And God speaks many times in his word about an idle mind. That it's not good. An idle mind is honestly the devil's playground. Because that's where he messes and mingles because he knows that you're not doing anything to better yourself. You're just setting and wallowing in the things that you're dealing in. And what's crazy is, you know, when we were getting ready to take these down, I could hear uh, Brandon, he was saying, and I, and I know my husband, you know, we've been together for a long time, 19 years. And the crazy thing about it is, is that as he was going, I could hear him saying little things. Oh my God, we got so much to do now. This needs to be done. And now we're going to have to do this. And this is going to have to be set up. And this is going to be need to be taking place. And we've got to make sure this. And I mean, you guys don't even understand the plans of things that are to come. Of walls and different things that we've got in order to build. And stuff to take care of to make this run function like it is. And I could hear him saying it. And I just began to think as he had mentioned this to me. What happens when the mountains come down and what you expected isn't what you expected? What happens when what you expect is not what you expected? Right? He expected the mountains to come down. Right? He expected that that would happen. But his expectation was also, we're going to have the sound up and running, the new sound ready. We're going to have the walls built that I want to have built. Everything's going to be in order. So when everybody comes in, it's going to be, ta-da! And I just looked at him and I said, it is really okay for one thing at a time. It is really okay. The people clapping are the It is really okay. Honestly, listen, it is really okay. Number one, the reason I want to say this, it is really okay. You want to know why? Because good things take good effort and good work to get them done. When you try to put something up in a hurry because of your expectations, they still will not meet your expectations. Because it's just building another mountain. Well, that's just like in relationships. If you get out of one relationship, you're going to try to grab the other one to fill that void. And you get into what? Dysfunction. Well, and that's what brings us to not knowing if you're going to transition that, but I'm just thinking about it right now. The thing that we want to talk to you today about specifically and really hit on is the empty space. Yeah. What do you do with the empty space? 
It's a crazy thing because like when the mountains move and you have the courage and you have the faith to whatever you're dealing with and you're like, this has got to go. Okay, that has created a space for so long. Now let's just get physical here. What do you do with all the empty space now? So think about it in your own personal life. What do you do with that? With that empty space when the mountains are gone? When whatever was there trapped is gone. Because the problem is if you jump the gun, like she said, too soon, you're going to fill it wrong. And then guess what? That little space that you fill becomes another mountain for you. Well, what's crazy is you allow the empty space to overwhelm you, like you said, and it becomes another mountain. Oh, and what happens is when you do that, you could fill the space with all that could be done and miss out on what God is doing. You can fill it with all that could be done. Guys, there's so much we can do in this place, but I'm just telling you right now, I don't really care. I care about what God is doing right now. And I'm tired of getting to a place, can I, can I just be honest, of exhausting myself and my own resources because I think it needs to be done a certain way. I'm really okay. No, is that curtain and the thing every way we want it to just be right now? No, but does that defect God from being in the house? No. Does that render your worship unto him because it doesn't look like what you wanted it to? And if that's the case, guess what? That's on you because I'm still up here worshiping. Yeah, Does it sound like it? Do we have the new sound system set up? No. And I'm just going to be honest, that sucker's going to take a long time to figure out. It's a lot of buttons. It's like having the Jetsons up in this house with that thing. That's for real. But the fact of it is, is that when you choose to say, God, okay... I'm going to be okay with the empty space because I know that you, number one, told me that the things I was facing in my life needed to come down. I know that you wanted those things to be cleared out. And so because of that, I have to be okay with the emptiness so that you can feel it as you desire, not as I desire. Because then I will be back to the same cycle. And what's crazy is I thought about familiarity. And I began to think about, anybody heard the term of phantom pains? Right? That the phantom pains is sensations when a person still feels the sensations they have from a limb or organ that was there and has now been removed. Sometimes this happens to women after pregnancy. These sensations can mimic fluttering in the stomach and movement. Okay? And what God began to tell me is he said, you know, it's okay to let the Spirit of God hover over you because often the enemy will remind us of what used to be and fill your mind with phantom pains longing for what you had so that you don't long for who he is. You begin to long for that. You want it. You can feel the pains of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, And it's true. I went, I was, I probably looked silly and I don't know if anybody saw me. I was trying to like just brush it off. But when I was walking, it was just habit. I still was walking straight towards the wall. And then went to, and I was like, I don't need to turn. And I just went into the room, you know what I'm saying? And like, and, and we as a team, we like to cut up and stuff and bring and remind up. Now just remember when you walk out that door, there's no mountains. We're so used to it. You know what I'm saying? Because there's been times we got caught up and we were, some, you know, somebody said something or did something or tripped over something and we're cracking up laughing. Behind the mountain. Behind the mountain. And the thing about it is, is that when mountains come down, though, it opens you to a place of vulnerability. You're exposed. I think the problem we face because of that, and, and like she's saying, like there's times I'm like, okay, because there's a lot of things in this church, especially this room that need redone. Um, a lot of it's like wiring and power and, and 
right power source. And so when these start coming down, the hard part is it's like, oh my gosh, we gotta get do it. And she heard me. I was just sitting there talking out loud like a crazy person. We gotta run new power from the box. We gotta make sure that gets on there and your conduit. We gotta make sure that gets distributed because we hear a buzz and we gotta get these lights and we gotta get this and this is getting painted and this like people don't have a clue. People just show up and be like, ooh, praise God. Like nobody knew what happened behind the scenes to get to Sunday. Just dragging butt, like, oh thanks for being here today. Woo! But we have help. Absolutely. We preached a sermon uh, in 2020, right when COVID started, and we all were up here. We all sat here. And, and, and the reality is when the mountains come down, it's this, the title of the sermon from, from 2020. Content in the process. Content in the process. We were talking about all the stuff we were dealing with. And it, it goes, it, it's the same thing in, in this scenario because if we're not content, in the process, because we're so used to having that, that we're going to, in our own minds, go crazy. Because we're used to having this happen. It, it, it's, it's so simple because what God tries to teach us in some areas is to rest. You know how hard for people it is to just sit down and rest? They feel like they got to be doing something because their mind is always running 100 miles an hour. And you've built your own mountain of dysfunction but because you can't slow it down enough. If you can't personally slow it down enough, how can you hear from God? When he tells you he wants to sit you down in, in a quiet place and, and by still waters and, and he wants to walk with you in the cool of the day. If you're mine and you feel like you can't, you got to always be doing something. See, mountains aren't always like, I got this mountain of alcohol. I got this. No, it, it's in all areas. It's just not something that's so, so negative. Like we can get so busy that we miss out on God and we're just building something up. And we think it's God and it's not. It's fear, though. Absolutely. Because the problem of it is that we'd rather hold on to the fear of, you know, hold on to what was because of the fear of what will be. So We that, don't know. There's, there's so many unknowns. You know, when you're unknown, just like... Let me put my cell phone glass on here. This is fun. Okay, um, well, go ahead. <laughs> nowhere to hide. Um, Do you want hug? No, I don't. Oh, okay. So... <laughs> So, I'm here for you. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> so during COVID, uh, we gave away a bunch of food, and then there was this pressure of like, are you going to keep giving food away? Felt the pressure from you guys. Felt some pressure from the community. And like I said, from the get-go, we only gave away food as we got it. And we loved it. It wasn't like we're not a church that does it, and it just cut out, because some people were like, man, it just like, stop. And I'm like, yeah, it's not my choice. I would not, I'll go till we can't go anymore. But... There was that pressure in that 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 angle of like, man, if we don't, if I if I don't, then it's not going to happen, and then this is it's going to be a problem. What are, I mean, we're supposed to be a church that's supposed to, you know, all that pressure of just I'm just putting myself on blast. All the weight of that. We had a uh, the pork truck that somebody let me just have, and he said, use it as long as you want, and. And I, I felt, because he was like, How, how's it going? And, and we would maybe give away stuff and lift stuff off and on. I'm like, well, we lifted something last month, you know. But I was afraid to give it up because if I felt like, I, I felt like almost failing because if I, if I would have gave it back, if I would have gave it back, it just meant the door was closed and I just gave up. And I'm like, I can't do that. And there came a time when he came to me and said, hey, I need that Ford truck. And I was like, oh my gosh. I felt sick. Like, if I do this, then I can't do that anymore. And I was holding on so tight or something so good that I was missing out on what God was trying to do. And I was like, well, 
you know, it, I mean, if they call me, I don't, I don't know. And they ain't got to call for a long time. You know what I mean? And, and I try to call on different things like that. But what was funny in the end is um, putting myself on blast on it was like I was struggling to let it go because I thought, man, if I really truly let that go, I felt like it was just like it was done. And we can't do it anymore. And God was, God was, you know, trying to teach me a lesson personally, put myself on blast. And what the guy said was, he said, listen, I had to sell it because it was the right size and the right uh, the weight that it could hold. And I said, okay. And he saw me, I felt like a little kid that got my toy taken out of the park. Like, okay. And I was like, well, thank you for letting us use it. It's been a huge blessing. And he grabs me and he says, what are you worried about? He's like, I got 40 other ones. You can grab any one you want. I think part of the problem is there is one thing that I thought when you were saying that is yeah. we have to understand that the supply for last season isn't always the supply for this season. And where you're at isn't always the same thing. You know what I'm saying? We face, I think the fact of it is, is we look at it as, okay, we have legitimate seasons. Summer, we have spring, summer, fall, winter, right? So every season we know corn gets harvested. Every spring, winter we know things die off and the freeze comes and freeze it. We know every spring. Seeds get planted, things happen every summer, things bloom beautifully, da 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 So I think we treat life the same way that every season is supposed to cycle out the same way. And that's not how life works. You may be facing a different mountain, a different thing, in a different season, and you have to be willing to allow God to supply you exactly for what you need for that season and that thing that you are facing. And the problem of it is, is I think we become repetitive in the things that we do because that brings um, validation to us that we are actually doing what God wants in the sense that we are still being disobedient because we're not doing what he really asked because we're trying to validate ourselves by our acts instead of our faith. And God's trying to say, if you, he didn't say your actions will move the mountains. He said your faith will move the mountains. And when we don't move out of faith and we still keep them up and keep them going, then what happens is then we are action-based and not faith-based. And then it is backwards. He says, God says, it is your faith first and then your actions that move and are motivated by your faith to cause things. He said, if you have faith, you can speak. Faith, then speak. If you speak without faith, you speak out of selfishness and self-motive instead of God-motive and what He wants. Because the bottom line is, in the end, no matter what, why we don't push some of these mountains away is because of control. We feel like that we, if we can control the narrative, that you know it's going to be good because I, I got my hands on it. But all God is want, wants us to do is lose control. I think it's even sometimes deeper. Like, and I was really thinking about this when we started doing it, and I think some of the problem is is that we are afraid of the nothing. We, we're the empty space. We're, we're think about it. We're afraid of the nothing. And and I think about this, and, and I want to get into a scripture real quick that God gave me with it. But Brandon, you came home Thursday night, and because I already had had things ready for what God is doing. And what's so crazy is that leads us to why we are jumping back into the armor of God because I think. God is trying to tell us that we become so comfortable with the things of this world and what we've done that it's really easy to say, oh, I know the armor. Oh, I know these things. Oh, I know that. But we're not moving out of faith by saying, oh, I'm going to stand in truth. Oh, I'm going to put the breastplate of righteousness on and really knowing. So, yes, we're jumping back into that. But he came home and he's like, I think I'm just going to come home. Normally he stays for you. And I'm there by myself. And at first that was kind of weird. 
because I've been used to having kids and everything and something to do, you know, at home for the last, what, since we've been here 12 years, you know what I'm saying? I've always had one with me. My and head, my head was pounding. His head was pounding. I'm sorry, I feel like I was in my eye. But his head was pounding, and he was laying there, and I had my worship on, and I would just have my books out, and my Bible, and I was studying. And he laid on the couch, and he goes, Is this what you do on Thursday nights? And I go, Yes, shh. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was so quiet, and just so. The dogs weren't barking, nobody was doing anything. It was the candles. The, worship, the candles were up, the house, dinner was done. Everything was ready. I was sitting there with my word, my books, the things that I wanted. I had my worship on. And he goes, it's so quiet. And I said, and I love it. Because what has happened was I'm learning to become okay with nothing. I don't have to have something to do on Thursday night or somebody with me to be content. Who's with me is God. And what's so crazy is I have found in my Thursday evenings when I just sat there, like him and I have some really good conversations because I'm actually open to really listen because my mind's really made a choice to say, I don't want to be busy right now. I've spent my entire life being busy. I'm cut over it. I just want to sit here and have a minute. I don't care. And there have been times they came home and they're like, what are we having for dinner? I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> and they look at me and I'm like, they're like, what? And I'm like, I just wanted to sit with God. Not that I don't care. They know. You can look at my kid. You know my family don't go hungry. But the thing about it is, is that sometimes you just got to go out of the routine, out of the things, and not be afraid of the void. Because the void can literally suck you in almost like a black hole to make you freak out. You create a mountain of being busy. It, it, it becomes a, so big. have a problem of connecting to God. Like, why don't I hear God? Or why is God speaking to me? Why don't I have this good relationship? Because you might have created busyness as your mountain. Oh, and this is what God told me. He said, I'm not afraid of the void, and neither should you be. He said, the empty spaces are where I do my greatest work. Genesis 1, 1 through 2 says it this way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. And he began to speak to me, and he said, Jen, it's okay to let my spirit hover over your areas in your life that are void. He said, that's where I create. That's where I begin to move and work are in the empty spaces. When your rooms are so full that there's nothing for me to do, I have no room to be the carpenter of your life. I can't create out of things. I can take down. He said, but don't you realize most of the time when I create something, it's out of your brokenness. It's because I take you to nothing so I can create something. He said, if you were, if I made something out of you, you would still be you and it wouldn't be me that is seen. And God is trying to tell you, I'm not afraid of the empty spaces. I'm not afraid of the void areas in your life. And if you would just learn to declutter some things and clean out some things and move the mountains that are there and allow me to do what I need to do, I can really create in you what needs to be done. I'm really trying to do something. He's really trying to do something in the church. He's really trying to do something in the house. He's really trying to get you to quiet yourself before him. He's really trying to get you out of the north. 
Martha. So busy. Let Mary stay where she is. At my feet. At my feet. What do we do with the empty spaces? Well, but see, Martha, Martha had a problem. You want to know why? Yeah. You know why she was afraid of the empty space? Because the empty spaces often tend to reveal the thing that God wants to work on next. Yeah. The empty spaces reveal the next thing God wants to work on. See, what's so funny is that's like this chair, you know, you're like, hey, somebody move this chair. You move the chair. Okay, I did it. Oh, well, there's something else you need to move now. What? You just, I thought, I did work. You just did that in me. That's a lot of work, God. Well, you may have got something else I need to fix. I mean, that, that was enough. Not only one down, I had like two and a half that we just took down. What else do you want to work on? I'm tired. I don't want to work on that. And you know what he said? He said, what's funny is if you would shut up in a minute, you don't have to do work. You just need to set the empty space. Just be. So I can work. Because what happens is we're afraid of the next. What's next, God? Because I don't really know if I can handle you telling me there's something else you need to work on. But I thought the scripture said that he is the author and perfecter and finisher of our faith. And until he comes, we will not be in the perfection until he comes. And so guess what? Newsflash, there's always going to be something to work on in your life. That's following Christ. It says in 2 Corinthians 3, 8, in the Amplified um, Version, it says, And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to be whole in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of God, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-ceasing, increasing splendor, and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's the Spirit doing the work in you. You are allowing yourself to reflect God. Do you want to know sometimes the greatest place you reflect God is where you have nothing because that's where He can fill it with all of Him. So good. But we want to tend to be like, hurry up, we got to do this and we need to do that. And, and you know what? People say, what are you going to do for Christmas? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what we're decorating for Christmas, but I know He's going to be here. I don't have it all planned out right now. If anything I can tell you that I am learning in this season is it is okay to not have everything planned out. I have learned better than when I just let it go and allow God to do what he wants in my life. Things work out a lot better. And that doesn't mean hurt and pain and things don't take place and stuff isn't going on. But if you don't allow God to tear down the mountains in your life, allow him to do it by letting go. And doing what he needs to do. If you don't allow it, you are the only one at fault for your pain. My goodness. You're holding on to your own pain. It's crazy as when these mountains move and there's that dead space that's empty. You know, like I said, like we have, we've adapted to dysfunction with the mountains and the people. But the biggest question again is what do we, what do, we do with the empty space? And, and, and physically, I let them up here for that reason. What we try to do now, because we're so used to being so close together, and, and we lean on each other vocally, we get close in that, and we lean on that, and instrumentally, we all lean on that. Now that there's so much space, everybody has to learn to adapt and to stretch out and, and find their own identity in that. 
at the same time. Sure. Because of, of, of what do we do in the empty space? Well, everybody's got to have their moment in that empty space to, so that they can grow in that empty space. And so the, the thing is, is you have to allow the surrender of God to take place in your life so that he can feel it. That's honestly, church, that's all he wants. That's all he's ever wanted. What's your empty space? That's all he wants. Because if it can be empty, he can fill it up. He can fill it up. Because like I said, if it's not empty, then what is he pouring into? And we feel we're disconnected from God because we have so much stuff going on in our own personal lives. That if you could just empty it out and move those mountains out of the way, and it's finally like, okay, are you done? Now I can work with that. You have to empty out. But I think going back to, and I just really feel like God is hitting on this, you have to empty, but you have to let go of your expectations. I think sometimes we get so discouraged because we expect, you know, God to do... It's like that mountain, you know, you look at it and you're like, okay, man, God's going to take it down and now everything's going to be awesome because we're going to jump into the next thing and it's just going to be wonderful. And sometimes that mountain comes down and you're still struggling and still facing things and you're like, well, God, why didn't this happen or why didn't that happen or why didn't things change? And he said, I didn't tear the mountain down just so you could have everything light and airy and be free. I tore it down so you just didn't have something else in your way from getting it to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, we still face struggles. Like for me, being dead honest with you, and not getting in full detail, but there have been some things in this season, in my life, that have been very hard. And I have been diagnosed with some certain sicknesses that are not going away. And my health has been struggling. And so that mountain has been right there in front of my face constantly. And what I am learning is that, you know what's funny, is it wasn't really the sickness that's the mountain, it was my perspective. Because I began to make what I'm going through so large that I'm forgetting about how big God is, how good he is. That even in my pain, even in my suffering, even in my tiredness, even in my weakness, when I'm really trying to say, like I have learned to say, I don't have it means I don't have it. And I know that the people that really know me, I have always been one who pushes through, who is gone, go, 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 go. Well, guess what, guys? That girl's gone. And you know what's funny? Is this the most beautiful thing to me? Because in my brokenness, what's funny is that my sickness isn't God, but God has brought me to such an empty space that I have never felt Him so much more real in my life. I have never felt Him speak to me so much more clearly because I've truly been deciding to say, this is an empty space. I 
today, um, 1620, the very first sermon of 2020, he spoke on provision, proactive, and protect. But on 12.5, God led me to a scripture. And I thought, man, God, that's powerful. Or you want me to speak that? And he kept saying no. And I kept thinking, okay, whatever. I know you showed me that. I wanted to read it to you today because it makes complete sense. And I didn't give it to you, Christy, so sorry. It's Isaiah 41, 15 through 16. I just want you to listen. It says, Behold, I make you a threshing sledge, new, sharp, and having teeth. See, threshing sledges, see, we're in harvest, and threshing sledges used to be used to cut the wheat. But I want you to hear the next part of this. You shall thresh the mountains and crush them. And you shall make the hills like chaff. And you shall winnow them. And the wind shall carry them away. And the tempest shall scatter them. And you shall rejoice in the Lord. And the Holy One of Israel, you shall glory. Do you realize that you are not only meant to move the mountains, but you are meant to crush them. You were meant to make them under your feet. God is trying to ask you, why are you weeping because you are doing what I've asked? Why are you so downhearted when there is nothing left of your old past? Why are you so caught up in the things that you have that you can't be caught up in me? You were meant to crush the mountains. You were meant to be a mountain mover. You were meant to do that. You were meant to change things. You weren't meant to just sit around and stare at them and go, oh, they're there. No, he said, I'm making you sharp. How does he do that? It's by getting in the word. It's the double-edged sword. It's the truth. It divides bone and marrow. He's trying to sharpen you and make you into what you need to be. And he's trying to tell you, guess what? It's okay for the empty space. That's just the crumble and the rubble of the things the enemy tried to have power over you. And guess what? You in this room willing to stand and say I am going to move my mountain I am going to defeat what the enemy has done in my life is there anybody that's crying out from the ground that's trying to say what the devil had in order over me he can't hold over me no longer though it may slay me I still praise the Lord come on come on church come on church come on Come on, if that's you, stand up. We're going to sing a, a part of a song. We're just going to get lost in His presence. And this song just resonated over and over and over in my head when we were tearing these mountains down. What do we do with this empty space? I want you to hear the words of this song. And if you need to find a place at the altar, maybe you need some mountains to be moved. Maybe, maybe they've been moved and you're in that empty space. I don't care what it is for you. But it's for your soul. It's for the generations that come. It's for your family. Has your dysfunction affected your children? Has your dysfunction affected your, your, your family around you? And so everybody around you? Are you the other person that's been affected by the dysfunction and you've laid in it with them? Something has to move. 
hear the Lord say that if you would just be willing, if you would just allow me to take you to the empty place, I, I want to take you to a place of nothingness. Not for the fact to strip you. Don't mistake the nothingness for loneliness because the nothingness is not loneliness. He said, I want 